0: To Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge. Talking about covering topics, Corey, um, there's some topics covered in this episode that I'm sure a lot of people have been wondering about. And a guy that knows a lot about those topics in just a couple minutes. Our man, Spencer Morris. Yeah, I'm uh, real jazzed up about this one. Yes. And, uh,
1: and I use the word jazz um, as maybe a little bit of an Easter egg because we finally have a jingle for hats off. Real excited yes. about it. I'm looking forward to that those topics to too. Um, but you also have to be excited about the opportunities to view and watch livestock like you've never seen before. On Modecasting.com. Oh yes. Yeah. Go yeah. and get yourself a subscription by going to 4 dollars 495. Oh. And couch change. Yes. Uh, but if you want to go back and watch any of these virtual stock shows, these cyber stock shows, you can do it for free. You don't even have to pay a subscription because the fine folks at Walton Webcasting want you to be able to see exactly what you've been missing out on. Yeah. And so, take care of that. Make sure you go in and give the good folks at Guessing a like and a follow on the socials, primarily Facebook.
0: And correct me if I'm wrong, Corey, but they're headed to Des Moines in a couple weeks as of today. Yes. yeah. So, uh, yeah. looking forward to getting them on the road again with Greg. I'm sure is itching to get back on the road uh, instead of off the road with Greg. We, we want to see him back on the road. So,
1: very 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 much so speaking of shows um and planning for stuff how's BLE coming along you guys got the got the big event this weekend
0: yes Buckeye Livestock Expo is coming up uh really quick we had a good meeting there on Monday uh kind of finalizing some details and we have a huge uh support system out there that's been uh, very positive about it so uh, folks, this is the la- today and tomorrow will be the last day of normal entry fees on the Showman app website. Uh, we are showing hogs, sheep, and goats open to the world. Anybody who wants to come uh, can certainly can. Reminder: If you're coming from out of-, out of the state of Ohio, please bring your health papers. But after Thursday, so when it gets a little closer to time. Entry fees will increase, so go to the Buckeye Livestock Expo Facebook page and find that uh, Showman app website and get your entries done. There's camping available. Uh, The facilities are absolutely gorgeous. They're air-conditioned and huge and beautiful, and uh, the Holmes County Health Department's been awesome to work with, so uh, make sure if you're coming, you do it uh, with regards to the health guidelines that are in place and we're looking forward to a huge uh, turnout, I think, uh, and it's just going to be exciting. I'm ready to ready to get it on the road. But Buckeye Laugh Deck Expo is happening this weekend. Heard you uh, heard you had an entry come up coming up from Georgia, even so. Georgia, right, West Virginia, maybe one of the Carolinas, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Pennsylvania. Yeah, Yo, open to the world.
1: Um, I. Another positive thing about this being an indoor air-conditioned facility is, you know, um, this supposed Sahara Desert dust storm that we're going to get part of here in the United States of America uh, will be sweeping through the later this weekend into the weekend. Interesting. And uh, you know, if you're going to be in Ohio and in an inside air-conditioned building, you ain't got to worry about it.
0: Yeah, we're uh, we're expecting it to be pretty easily navigated. The the area is big. Uh show off your trailer if you want. We got limited pins available. By the way, there's a awesome catering facility, Harvest Ridge, right there oh, on the no. fairgrounds, and it's not like hamburgers and hot dogs. This deal is like roast beef dinner, fish fry, and oh, they showed us pictures of what they're going to make and I was like, if it only smells half good as good as it looks, I'm all in. <laughs> so, yeah, well, yeah. uh the the uh Trailer spot auction on showpig.com on Monday went well, I saw. Really well. Well, We're incredibly thankful for the good buyers there, but um, who knew that a trailer spot meant that much to people, but I'm glad it did. Um, Prime parking, that's right around the corner from the show ring, and um, those folks won't have far to walk, but we will have general trailer parking available a little bit further away, but obviously uh, very manageable at that. If you're listening to this and plan on coming, Please bring your generator. Um, the electric there at the Holmes County Fairgrounds in Millersburg, Ohio is so-so. And some breakers might flip if we all plug into it. So please bring your generator and be prepared for that.
1: Yeah, nothing like a good generator to uh, to bring to life. I feel like most people that show off their trailers bring generators anyway. Yes. But that's a, that's a good point to bring up.
0: Yeah, but you uh, mentioned uh, our auction. And the reason it went so well was because it was on showpig.com. I mean, there's a lot of other options out there, but showpig.com knows how to do it probably the best. And um, that's something like you don't think about as, so, oh, if I'm putting on a show, let's auction off trailer spots. Well, we had a very, very successful trailer auction spot, and it was on showpig.com. So goes to show that we don't have to have showpigs in order to do stuff like that. They auction off gates or uh, used equipment, if you're getting out of the business or wanting to upgrade, a good way to do that is contact the people at showpig.com. And they are so easy to work with. I wasn't sure how we were going to do this trailer trailer spot auction, and they pretty much walked me through my own thought process. So the people there at showpig.com are absolutely incredible and are there to help you out. Uh, visit showpig.com today. If you're in the selling market, they have specials going on. They have ad spots available on their Jumbotrons, an email blast that reaches tens of thousands of people every day. So showpig.com, Corey, I'm telling you, it's a place people need to go. I was going to bring that
1: up because the, the email part, because I honestly forgot that you guys were doing your trailer auction uh, uh, spot until I got the email oh. from showpig.com. I was like, oh, yeah. So I clicked on it and just kind of checking out and seeing how things were going. And um, it is a very useful tool to have that. I mean, I get emails uh daily from from showpig.com whether that be just updates or or sales that are going on uh just things to watch and track so um no better way to get inside the the pocket of somebody than to have an email blasting out yeah what is it like
0: 18,000 19,000 it's growing i'm sure it's even more than that it, now yeah pretty cool so um
1: okay It's time.
0: Oh, time for the Jazz Fest. Oh, you mean hats off. (laughs) Yeah. Well, who brings us hats off? Because we're going to get jazzy with it. Hey,
1: hats off, all you cool cats and kittens. (laughs) (laughs) Sponsored by Fierce Threads. Fierce Threads is your number one source for screen printing and embroidery. Everything that we get done here at Stock Talk Podcast is...
0: Brought to you by Fierce uh, Threads. Yes. Hats. We've got T-shirts, sweatshirts. Speaking of, new stuff coming out for uh, very, very soon. All coming from Fierce Threads. So, man, got to love our folks at Fierce Threads. And this these jazzy tunes we've got. This is our new jingle. It's going to play in the background for hats off. So, Corey Edge, let's hit him with what your hat goes off to this week.
1: My hat goes off to you, show staff supplying chubby guys like me endless amounts of water. Oh yes, I tell you what, uh, did one this past weekend, and uh, it was probably the hottest day we've had so far this this year. And uh, I I think they started keeping a tally after I after my fourth water bottle, they started keeping a tally because they said, hey, keep them coming because this this is going to get serious. And uh, thirteen bottles of water later. Made it through the day and, uh, you know,
0: it's like two gallons. I think show
1: staff supplying water. My hat goes off to you. Uh, you, you keep guys
0: like me surviving in the ring. Appreciate it. Love it. Okay. This week, my hat goes off to the full-time employee. That's also fueling his passion. That is livestock. Oh, that's a good hats off. So kind of a lengthy title there, but the person who grinds the nine to five every single day, rather it be finance, accounting, whatever, construction, but you come home and tend to your livestock and you may get up three hours earlier than your coworkers because you got livestock to tend to. That's my hats off this week is the full time employee, but still wants to. Kick butt in the show ring. My hat goes off to you because that's not an easy job that everybody can do. Well, that's hats
1: off. That was really good. I like the, uh, I don't know how the the listeners feel, but the jingle in the background um, really just kind of, you know, we can't do any sad ones now, which is, which is good. Because I I think if we did a sad hats off with that kind of a jingle, it wouldn't uh,
0: work. That's right. Yeah. But uh, that's good. That's good. I like it. I'm excited. Nobody. I, I'm a little disappointed. No, we didn't get any uh, yeah. musicians sent in uh, their jingles. So we had to we had to go find our own. But it was time for that. We let it go a couple weeks. And I'm going to say if you've got one that's like absolutely killer or an intro for hats off, we'll definitely consider it. You know, I
1: would even consider this, too. Like if somebody has a connection with a Texas, Texas country artist somewhere in the United States. Oh, yeah. um, get getting getting them to will winner uh getting them to put together a a legitimate intro song like minute 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 probably minute long Mm -hmm. introducing the podcast that would be incredible so killer i mean again we're going to challenge our listeners sometimes you guys uh Sometimes you guys come through with some big time stuff. So,
0: yeah. Okay. Speaking of listeners, can we just for a second stop and think about that? We have half a million downloads. Jeez. I mean, that's that's a lot of people that have heard us talk. I usually don't. I I used to check our stats like every day because I was that kind of nerd. But the other day I was like, holy crap, we're at 490,000 people. And then I just kind of forgot about it for a little bit, checked on it the other day, and I was like, we're at, we're at half a million. And uh, we're pretty excited about that. And it's all because of you guys listening, uh, sharing the good word, and it's taking off even faster. So uh, who would have thought uh, over a year and a half ago, Corey, that we started this little little podcast thinking it'd be something we just do for fun. And we've got half a million downloads.
1: Yeah. And here's what's even crazier is i sent you a screenshot oh probably a month or so ago i was cleaning out my office here because i i I built myself a desk i don't i I felt handy one day and i ended up building myself a desk anyway um cleaning out my office and i found uh the notebook piece of paper that we wrote down like our our top 10 goals on Mm -hmm. and such and one of those was we wanted to have i'm pretty sure 300 downloads a, a week <laughs> yeah and and like have like so then you know the math added up to somewhere uh north of, of six thousand or so mm-hmm. downloads for our first year and uh then we got to then we got to uh 2020 and not all things are bad in 2020 because right. Stock talk has reached half a million downloads it's I just craziness
0: also one little shout out to uh, uh, genuine jbh podcast just launched there on Monday that was a good one so uh, again another past guest launching his own um, so a lot of them out there now and uh, I think it's cool I think it's a good deal so it's it's, it's way cool uh, go give our buddy jbh. A listen, Spotify, YouTube, and I think another thing is it's kind of nice that everybody has their own day now. You know they're aware. You know stock talks are Wednesday now. Jbh will be Mondays. Um, then you've got um, shoot Fairside. side. When's that? Is it Tuesday or Thursday? I think it was Thursday. Oh, it's a Friday deal. Friday, no, no, no. Friday, Friday is beyond the ring, beyond the ring. So I, I, everybody's kind of trying to spread it out, which I appreciate. And that's cool because, you know, you turn on the TV and there's not just one channel. Right. Yeah. Spread out a little bit. So, well, we're staying on our course here at stock talk podcast. Got a lot of exciting things going on. Uh, some of which, um, we will, uh, bring to light in the near future. But, uh, for now, let's focus on our guest, Corey edge, uh, a guy that we've, uh, Wanted to get on for a little bit, and after we've talked about him a couple times and you had the opportunity to uh, chat with him for several, several hours, actually a full day there in Walton, Indiana, at the Sunglow Cyber Stock Show. So let's bring it to our listeners. Folks, we're talking about a guy that has
1: developed and acted and worked very hard to come up with one of the very few major state fairs that's actually going to take place here in 2020. We're talking about a man that is switched careers as many times as our buddy Max look <laughs> ch- changes his white t-shirts. Oh. oh, or, or, or maybe even Trevor changes his shirts because of pit stain
0: sweaty, Betty. Hey, way. I bought three different kinds of deodorants the other day to eliminate this, uh, underarm sweat and just a little side note story here uh about the certain dry stuff and any of you who have a sweat problem I think I, it's it's now a clinical problem like I need probably need to go to the doctor for this and I got that certain dry roll on stuff and I like always lather it on just to make sure I don't sweat well yeah. come to find out you need to put that stuff on sparingly and at night and I always do mine in the morning to get ready for the day got a little itchy underneath the armpits look like a monkey walk around all day scratching my my pits so anyways, sorry to interrupt you. Uh, let's just get straight to it, because
1: I think, uh, you know, you guys are going to get enlightened. Yes. Uh, on, on a lot of things. Uh, and also, there's some really cool stories uh, in here that I think will be really awesome teaching moments and lessons for those of you listening that may need to hear it. Welcome to the show. longtime listener, first time caller, Spencer Morris.
0: Well, we are back in action, Mr. Edge, and we have another good guest, a great friend of the show, uh, somebody who you spent a lot of time with there in Walton, Indiana, not too long ago, uh, Spencer Morris. Welcome to the show, my friend. Um, We are excited to have you on and to talk a lot of things that are happening in this industry. So thanks for taking time out of your schedule. And as always, we just kind of like to get to know our guests. So Spencer, if you would, just give us a little background on yourself and who uh, who is spencer morris
2: uh sure well thanks so much guys um long time listener first time caller um big fan of the podcast no,
1: and said the exact same thing <laughs> who did you and Ewan, you and willing?
2: nice well we're kindred spirits in many ways <laughs> um i've got some good stories about him maybe i'll share one later there we go uh, <laughs> so uh yeah, just uh, working away, getting ready for the uh, 2020 Indiana State Fair Livestock and Project Showcase this August. Um, so that sounds I'm. Gonna, rehearsed. Livestock...
0: <laughs> <It> sounds rehearsed.
2: <laughs> I've, I've said that a lot. I've been saying those words so many times lately.
1: Hey, your Facebook lives has gone have gone well.
2: Uh, wait till this Friday. We're gonna do it in the Coliseum. We're gonna do it big. It'll be fun. That's
1: cool. Yeah. So, all yeah. right. All right. I've interrupted you a few times. Who, who are you and what do you do?
2: No worries. Um, so I'm the livestock director for the Indiana State Fairgrounds and Events Center. Um, that is a year round job. So it's the fair uh, plus some other year round livestock shows um, like the uh, the 2020 exposition that uh, <laughs> for a lot of unfortunate reasons didn't happen. Um, or the, uh, 2022 through 2023 and four world Appaloosa show, um, that, that we got put on contract that starts next year and for the coming 2022, uh, exposition, um, and others. So, so it's not just the fair, but it's year round livestock shows. Um, and it's all things livestock at the Indiana state fairgrounds and events center, um, So I grew up in Monrovia, Indiana, uh, still live here. The, the apple does not fall very far from the tree. Um, and my brother and I, um, started and managed, um, Tower Morris, uh, Semitols. So purebred F1 Semitol based cattle, um, have not been doing any showing lately. The, the job thing is just crazy. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's mostly just tower scimitals these days. Um, so that's my brother, Andy. Um, and uh, showed cattle and hogs in, in 4-H and FFA all 10 years. Um, had a lot more success on the hog side. Um, in fact, most people don't even know that I, I owned a cow at any point in time, which, <laughs> which is fine. That's fine. Um, and uh, in high school, did a lot of work and basically lived uh, sales season. Um, in, in whatever bedroom or barn room that uh, Brad Hanowich told me I was gonna be sleeping in that sales season and, and worked for him a lot. Um, in high school, went to Lakeland Junior College. Um, and, and while I was there, worked at uh, Prairie State, Boar Stud, that's uh, a thing of the past. And uh, also uh, uh, wound up living one summer in Brent Titus's attic. <laughs> while I, while I was a Lakeland student, um, and then w- went to Purdue. Um, funny story about Purdue when I first arrived at Purdue. So basically I, so, uh, the summer between Lakeland and Purdue was a really complicated summer for me for a lot of reasons, uh, family stuff. But, uh, I applied late and, and got in late and it was July before I knew I was going to Purdue. So, wow, I mean, everyone else knew back in May or before, and just everything was really late. It was a complicated summer for me. So I had no place to live. So I went to Purdue. I went homeless and basically lived out of my Ford Explorer for about a week.
1: Oh, um, well, it was, at least it wasn't like a, like a VW bug or something small.
2: Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I lived on some friend's couch in the AGR house for a few weeks and uh, then finally found a home uh, in, an, in an apartment. Um, so
0: so from Being homeless, quote-unquote homeless, in your vehicle, uh, you still lived and thrived in Boilermaker country. and um, So now, how did you become or how did you find such a, um, I want to call it interesting job position? Was this uh, posted for everybody to see or did you shake somebody's hand and say, hey, we want to hire you? Or tell us a little bit about how you became the livestock manager at the Indiana State Fair.
2: Uh, well, I first I became the manager. I'm now the director. I'm not sure what the difference is, but I, I appreciate the salary bump. That's for sure. There you go. Um, so uh, yeah, did had such a good time at Purdue that you know I, I matter of fact I got I made the dean's list my that that last semester or two. And, and it was not the dean's list where, you know, you get an award for good grades. It's the other dean's list where, you know, they send you a letter and say, hey, Spencer, you know, we've enjoyed having you as a part of the Purdue community so much that uh, you need to stay another semester. That is, if you want to walk away with a degree. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I was I, I really enjoyed my time there. Um, but so post-Purdue, um, my first job was at the Indiana Statehouse. Um, I was I was a ag liaison to the House of Representatives for a couple of years. Um, worked at Indiana Pork, um, um, did some agri-marketing work for Beta Rudder, which is a, a marketing uh, company in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So they have a lot of the Zoetis accounts. So when, when Zoetis was launching ActiGain and NGain, their ractopamine products, onto the U.S. market, I was working for Zoetis and working through um, product labeling, um, logos, and, and getting everything right for that product launch then went to McCormick in Indianapolis, which was their competitor, which held a lot of the Elanco accounts. Um, And and when um, Elanco was relabeling paline and Optiflex, Optiflex, um, I got to work on on those ractopamine products as well. So I got to touch a lot of ractopamine products uh, before the state fair, which uh, prepared me uh, a lot for some of the things that I've encountered recently Uh, But so so McCormick went through basically a hostile takeover where a big Chicago firm came in and bought us and started breaking things off and eliminating parts of the business and moving people and hiring and firing like crazy. So I left and uh, I did just some project based uh, marketing and project and communications work with uh, some connections I was able to develop while I was in McCormick and was just out here in the real world doing my own thing and uh, I saw a job posting. It was online, a uh, livestock manager for the Indiana State Fair uh, Grounds and Events Center. Um, so I applied and um, I still uh, knew some people that, that, that worked for the uh, fairgrounds and leadership and told them, I, just sent them an email, said, hey, I applied to this, just wanted to make sure it got received, You know, just making sure. Got a phone call back, got some interviews. I assume the talent pool was also shallow and, uh, you know, they, they hired me.
1: That's awesome. Well, the, the career path, it seems like for, for a hundred percent of our guests has not been one of, um, just straight away, figured it out, had it all put together immediately. Uh, and so to no surprise, a similar situation, but you know, along those lines, you know, obviously, um, I, I'm sure at those times you still had interest in, in raising livestock, um, you know, with your brother and stuff. And so kind of through that, through that time, uh, what was it like trying to, to balance career shifts and changes and, and raising stock on the side too?
2: Um, well, I'll be honest. It was pretty easy for me. Uh, my older brother is pretty awesome and he's done, he's done the heavy lifting. That's for sure. On the raising livestock and things, I'll be real transparent. So, so it was pretty easy for me. Um, when I, when I got out of uh, 4-H and judged at Lakeland and Purdue, um, by occasionally going to sales and helping work cows and, and do stuff like that. I mean, that's, that's about the extent of it. So, um, I've just been more focused on the professional side of the ag industry uh, relative to my career, but no it was pretty easy for me. It was not as easy for my brother. Uh, I'll be transparent, but uh it was it was pretty it was pretty okay for me.
1: That's hey, you can't really complain too much about that. so <laughs> let's let's get into the meat of this conversation because um, I don't know why um, I decided whenever Trevor and I were texting back and forth about what kind of questions and things we wanted to discuss today. Uh, This one hit me the hardest and why I kind of wanted to put it towards the front of the interview. So um, what has it been like trying to plan a state fair during a pandemic? Let's just start there.
2: Uh, So, so, so the phrase that I think best describes what, what the last 75 days, you know, in my role or, any, anyone else in a similar role um, is a roller coaster. Uh, it seems like whatever the COVID numbers or the mood of the country or the mood of whoever is talking on the news that day, you know, some days it's optimistic other days it's the end, the end is near. <laughs> um, so it, it's been very much a roller coaster ride. Um, and I, I remember I did, I did a little research. I remember it was either the last week of February. I think it was the last week of February or the first week of March. It was a week Houston was evacuated. Um, I didn't look at the date yet, but I was in my office on the fairgrounds. And um, I mean, I'm hiring judges and, and working on fair stuff. And uh, I'm watching the Indianapolis flower and patio show. Um, move in to the West Pavilion, we know it as a cattle barn during the fair. And yep. I, on my phone, I see Houston Livestock Show is evacuated because of COVID. And I'm just thinking to myself, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And and I I looked at the tagline just to make sure I got it right. The largest and richest livestock show and rodeo in, in the United States was just evacuated because of COVID. And I'll be honest, guys, I I was scared. Like, if it can happen to Houston, it can happen to anybody. Um, So so that's where I feel like the journey started was that week, um, late February, early March. And then, you know, it progressed into the, you know, everyone – regardless, just about regardless of where you work, um, in an office setting, you know, the orders were go home, but keep working. So, so went home and, you know, at that point, the talking points were, you know, all is well, (laughs) state fairs charging forward and, and can't wait to see you there. Um, and then, you know, in, in April and May, at least in Indiana and a lot of the Midwestern states, we saw, you know, peak COVID numbers and, you know, hard shelter in places. And if you're not an essential employee, you don't need to be traveling anywhere. Um, and those things. So, so things got, um, tense, that's for sure. So during that process, um, I was at least outlining a lot of different plans, A through Z, and some of them sounded better than others. And, um, it just got to a point where I'm like, I can't make these decisions by myself. And, and the state fair board can't make these decisions by themselves. We need more information. We need input. We need to hear from our customers. So um, luckily, um, we were able to put together some exhibitor parent focus groups. Um, and I, I chose exhibitor parents just because of the seriousness of the issues. I did not get any young exhibitors together. And, and the purpose was we were going to talk about a lot of scenarios and some of them were going to be, uh, not fun to talk about. So we were able to put together some focus groups and and we went through a lot of stuff. So, so an example was, you know, if we get to have a modified show of some kind, but we've got to reduce the amount of numbers of either exhibitors or animals that show up, what is the, how, what's the sorting stick? How do we do it? So, um, on, like my examples that I shared with the the, the parent focus group, it was um, what if we have a virtual sift? That way everyone gets a chance and it's, you know, we're all distanced at home. So it's like a virtual stock show, but it's a virtual sift. And then, you know, we tell the judges, you got to sift this, you know, half out or 40% out or 20, or whatever the percent is out. And then we have a smaller live show later in August. And then the next option will What if it's a parking lot sift and it's kind of Texas major style? What if it's um, a lottery Denver style? And, you know, it's just luck of the draw based on what the numbers do. And so we went through several of those examples. And in the end result that all of this parent focus group, you know, told me that they thought they were confident was the best solution was, well, can you just... If you limit the number of animals to say one or two or three per kid, per exhibitor, um, you know, does will that make will those numbers make it possible for every 4-H exhibitor, livestock and animal exhibitor, to have the opportunity to exhibit at the Indiana State Fairgrounds this summer at the Indiana State Fair? And my answer to them was, yeah, that would do it. So that wasn't even an option I presented to this focus group and those exhibitor parents informed that direction and that's the direction that we've taken so so we put together these focus groups and and they begin to help us fill in kind of the at least the initial gaps in plan a through z so may and june we're going through all the scenario i mean all of them it's everything from we're having a full-blown fair to nothing is going to happen i mean nothing and it's plan a through z it's may and june and may 25th rolls around I don't know what it was about this day, but this was a special day. Um, so it was it was Monday Memorial Day is was is the day, and
1: this was like two days before you and I talked. Yes, because I remember you and I talked, and I was just trying to get some information to spill out to our audience. And then in two days, you jerk, you changed <laughs> <it on> me. <laughs> I'm yeah. just kidding. it worked out for the better. But anyway, I, I just. Yeah that it was just i would kind of want our audience to know that that's how fast things yeah. can change so anyway continue
2: no yeah you're you're absolutely right um so we had plan a through z and i i do mean there was there was just about that many different options on the table um but you know in may um the the covid situation in indiana and the midwest and nationally was still really fluid still is But uh, you know, just the numbers and the national and the state optimism and and kind of the seriousness or the relaxedness of health guidelines was changing every day so much that it was really really hard to be able to have some confidence that you know plan A is going to be better than plan H. But I I just some some of our um, state fair leadership called me on the 25th and said you need to prepare for a modified livestock show, a live event. How would you do it? I'm like, I'm ready. Let's, let's do this. So before then I'll be honest, the direction was cloudy. Um, just because, um, everyone there were so many questions and very few answers about which plan to pursue. Um, something happened on the 25th and I don't even know what it, it, the energy was different. And I know this sounds weird, but I'm a big believer in energy. The energy was different, and the direction I got that day, and just the tone in the voice of everyone was different. I don't know what changed, but something changed, and it was uh, needs to be modified and limited. But it's a live livestock show in August on the same dates, and go. You have 48 hours to give us what that plan. So in this scenario, let's say that's plan. You know. Um, G, you got 48 hours to give us the outline. You got one more day to give us the financials, and from then on, that's that's what we've been working on. And I don't know why. If you called me on the 24th of May, I would have been like, well, we got all these plans and and we're evaluating all of them and we're gonna do as much as possible in August, but I, I would have probably like Corey told you, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of options on the table. It's just a matter of we don't have enough answers to really be able to devote a lot of time and confidence to pursue it. And something changed on May 25th and I don't know what it was, but since then uh, it's been uh, all work all day for the Indiana State Fair 4-H Livestock and Project Showcase. Wow.
1: So for those listeners that are out of state that that do not know the Indiana plan, which I venture you guys if you're listening to this podcast, you've, you've researched it and looked it up and probably screamed at your own officials to do the same thing um, because you know it, when the original plane was released it was you know each exhibitor got two entries total didn't matter how many what species they showed that's all they got and then now exhibitors get a chance to show you know two entries per species of, of whatever choice they want and you know you want to talk about um, just the ability to adapt and change and listen and and understand um, what's going to work and and what isn't what's going to be the best option. And yet, you know, in this pandemic, you know, we are able to have a state fair and, and I, I don't know of many States or or any, if at all, uh, of the size and scope that the Indiana state fair is, you know, as far as exhibitor numbers and that, I, I don't know of any other state fair like it that's going to happen this year. Maybe Iowa, we still That's in and
2: Iowa. And that's yep. Uh, the other state fairs and and I don't I I make it a practice not to compare ourselves to other state fairs because every organization is is unique in in many different ways. But um, it seems like us in Iowa were able to come up with a similar model and other state fairs for whatever the reason is and and i'm i'm certain they are really really good reasons um very unfortunately weren't and i'm really proud of whatever the energy in the universe was doing on may 25th i'm so glad it (laughs) happened and um i'm just i have nothing but gratitude in my heart to be able to do this crazy crazy work all day and night every single day between now and august
0: I wish some of that energy would have flown a little further east because, man, I'm going to miss being in Columbus the end of G- July and early August. But uh, thankfully, we have awesome people that uh, has worked up a plan B. But, uh, but you know, that is so cool. I mean, I, Corey and I talked a bunch of, about your conversations, you and him, and what was going to happen before we knew. And, um, you know, it, it was really, really awesome to see things coming And still coming out. Um, So one of the things I wanted to get into, we didn't really write it down, but what kind of relationship did you have to develop if you didn't already have one with the state health departments, uh, local organizations like that? Uh, We're putting on a small show uh, this weekend and uh, our local, um, luckily our local health department's very, very open about what needs to be done. So at a state level with thousands of people, potentially, what have you had to do? What meetings were taking place to get this thing going?
2: Yeah. So, so, so luckily, um, you know, we're, 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 we're a state agency um, like the state health department and um, we, we work with them every year anyway. Um, So, so we, we had a really well-established existing relationship and basically we're in daily communication um, as, as COVID was unfolding all over the country and and across Indiana. Um, so, um, I, I think what, what we had to sort out for ourselves was how do we break it up? How do we measure it? Like, how can we ensure that we're measuring it in the way that, in a way we've never done before? How do we measure it in a way that satisfies the the measurement requirements for our state partners um and and so that was like everyone else that was new for us so um um the the equation that we began to develop was you know we we a started with the square footage of a building subtract non-navigable floor space so floor space only counts in the era of covid if a human can freely socially distance and freely navigate it so you start with the floor space you subtract all the pens you subtract all the show ring all the bleachers anywhere where equipment or stuff exists that occupies floor space so it's building floor space minus non non non-navigable space minus your average staff and volunteer you know human per head And then you divide all that by 36. So six feet per human, that's area on the floor. Six times six is, is 36. So every human gets a 36 piece of floor per human. And then we divide that by the average number of exhibitors that we have to give us how many exhibitors we can have per building. And then we divide that number by two, an exhibitor plus a guest. Or we divide that number by three, an exhibitor plus two guests and those were the formulas that we used to develop the um, uh, right size for our plan. So um, we were lucky as a state agency to have an already established relationship with the state health department. Um, there's, there's a really unique person at the state health department. Um, her name is Dr. Jenny Brown, and she's, she's a veterinarian, but she works for the state health department. Her, her role is to study and monitor and and enforce the relationship between human health and animal health. So the state health department is in charge of human health, right? Whereas Boa, the board of animal health, is in charge of animal health. And she has this really unique role um, where she's monitoring and, and looking out for both. So I know that that's not common, and I don't know. I don't know how other states are set up, but um, we're so grateful to have her and all of her awesome work uh, to be able to benefit um, our event and the state of Indiana.
0: Wow, what a unique position! Uh, you know, I bet some of that stuff crosses over more than probably what we realize. Uh, but boy, it came to a head this year for sure. Um, and I—that's the first time I ever heard of uh that kind of formula and i can only imagine to be a fly on the wall with some of these big time meetings how that came about and the brilliant minds that formulated that so uh that's that's important to have relationship with your health department it was easy that you did it in years past anyway so you could just move forward you guys probably know what's coming but we need to tell you a quick break in the action For our buddy, Jace Tarbell. Tarbell Marketing and Design is one of the leading companies out there for your marketing, design, whether it be logo or graphic tee or just a cool graphic for your upcoming sale or just a cool graphic for a milestone in your company. Whatever it may be, Jace can do it. Tarbell Marketing and Design is innovative and industry-leading. And if you're the first-time customer... There at Tarbell Marketing and Design, he's going to give you fifteen percent off. That can be a bunch. So contact Jace Tarbell. Look on his Instagram and his Facebook, and just study the amazing work that he's doing. You could be a part of it. Just contact Tarbell Marketing and Design today. So, you know, we talk about
1: uh, this this pandemic and how everything is shaped and evolved over the last few months, and And, you know, what shows are happening and what aren't and and what's really interesting. And I just did a show this last weekend and it felt normal. You know, there was no there was it it was a jackpot show, had no restrictions. I was shaking hands. People were sitting in the bleachers right next to each other. Uh, Families didn't care about social distancing or wearing masks or anything like that. And, um, you know, that moment, you know, stepping into the ring and, and just feeling some some normalcy was a breath of fresh air in 2020. And I think as we continue to see more of these shows pop up and, and, and these County health boards kind of loosen restrictions, um, you know, I kind of think we might have to thank the rioters for this. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about a group of people that really shut down COVID for a couple of weeks. weeks, <laughs> um, you know, not to make light of a terrible situation. Um, but, You know, to a certain respect, I think um I think maybe that's why we're seeing some some shoestrings come untied here and people are just running a little bit looser nowadays. Um (laughs) I don't know what your take is, Spencer, but we'll we'll have no
2: take. Thank you for asking. Okay, you're welcome. (laughs) Um,
1: you know, we try not to get real political on this podcast, but uh, sometimes I think we can just all laugh together. Um so next, um Let's uh, let's dive into the Indiana State Fair uh, as it has been uh, for the last several years, and obviously uh, the Grand Drive uh, in 2020 will be a little bit modified uh, compared to years past. However, um, you know we had a chance to experience the Indiana Grand Drive on the floor of the Coliseum last year, and what an awesome event it was! in, you know we kind of talked leading up to that about all the things that kinda of go into creating a grand drive like that and and similar to the Oklahoma Youth Expo, uh pyrotechnics, cool music videos, uh, spotlights, you name it, that is all involved there. Uh maybe maybe your full out plan for twenty twenty isn't gonna happen like you wanted it to. But when when are we gonna get like uh, you know a, a live musician to come in there and just play a play a song for us before the grand drive
2: dang uh good question i'll be honest funny story glad you asked um so um oh it was last year yeah it was was 2019 um i think it's january starting to work on fair stuff and grand drive stuff january and at that point in time in my head the grand drives song was actually going to be um, Jason Aldean's Flyover States, not uh, George Strait's um, uh, Heartland. And I, we have um, our, our manager of entertainment, the books, all of our concerts and all of our talent acts. Um, I sent her an email and I'm like, hey, how much would it cost to get Jason Aldean to cover one song? It's his song. He just wanted him to cover it. And I'm thinking, you know, like how expensive could it be? Right. How expensive could it be? And she basically emails back, "Do you have a half million dollar budget minimum just for one song?" And oh I just gosh. emailed back, "Nope." <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> so, so I've thought of that. I just, I just don't have that that kind of budget to to pull that off. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, the the Grand Drive um, and Supreme Drive, by the way, uh, two events. Grand Drive is. First weekend, it's our market animals plus beef heifers, and then Supreme Drive is the following Sunday. Basically, uh, co-events. Supreme Drive is our breeding animals: our ewes, our guilts, and our, our 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 dairy females, uh, both our our heifers and our, and our cows. Um, and we've had a grand drive since the late '80s, and they they've they've pulled them into the Coliseum um and there was a number of years where the the hogs got unincluded from it I don't know why I I really don't but uh um when I was showing in in the late 90s and the early 2000s the hogs did get back in and then I don't know why but the hogs got back out again so the hogs have had a complicated relationship with the grand drive over the 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 life of the grand drive but I, I think what's what's made that is um and he's a fixture phil deckard who's our announcer um you know it's a cool 72 degrees here in the indiana farmers coliseum um he he's helped make that thing and it's just been a fixture for it forever um and then in addition to that i find myself uh throughout the year as i think about the grand and supreme drive and how to continually approve them YouTubing and watching the opening ceremonies of the Houston and San Antonio rodeos a lot, um, which is so cool. Um, and uh, then I think, I think it really, we found new budget suddenly <laughs> when I, I basically annoyed him so much that I, I took my boss to OIE and I'm like, we have to go to OIE. We have to watch the grand drive. So finally, I, I think I annoyed him enough that he agreed to go with me and, and we watched it. And um, he comes from the concert venue world. So, so before working at the state fair, he managed some really big and high profile concert venues. So he's like very familiar with um, high quality audio equipment, pyrotechnics and lighting. And he sees it and he just looks at me and he goes, we can absolutely do this. And I'm like, yeah, we can. So so, so ever since then and that trip to OYE, um, and nothing but all respect and, and, and gratitude and credit to the folks out there, um, Tyler and his crew that put on OYE. It's an amazing event, and I, I only hope to continue building the Indiana State Fair toward toward that awesome model that they've built. But we, we straight up stole some stuff from OYE, just stole it. And it's really worked out well for us. And thanks so much to OYE for the inspiration. <laughs> but but uh, they they kind of all they they taught. I learned everything I know about pyrotechnics from Tyler Norville's OYE Grand Drive. So um, and then from there we just we just build on it every year. And it always starts with a song. So like um, and I feel like the Grand Drive video is I probably think about that every single day, at least for five minutes every single day of, of the year without a beat. And I'm just like, well, what song is next year? What's, what's the fair theme? And I'll be honest. So it's changed. Um, and I think I told, I think I told Corey this when we were at Walton doing, um, the, uh, Sunglow, uh, quarantine classic, uh, they were at Walton webcasting that, you know, the, the fair theme was basketball. Um, So there was going to be a lot of Hoosiers references to the movie Hoosiers and and the Hoosiers soundtrack. And then all of, you know, the world of COVID happened and everything changed. Everything changed. So the song is different and everything's going to be different, but we're still going to have a Grand and Supreme Drive. We're still going to have a Grand and Supreme Drive video. It's still going to be in the Coliseum on the dirt, but, um, you know, it'll be pared down, you know, uh, budgets. Uh, I just can't describe. Are tighter than ever. Um, every penny counts these days. Because, um, like, like many people and like many organizations, you know, we without, without without events, we we don't have income. Uh. Um, so as a result, you know, no pyrotechnics, um, no big light show, no smoke. But we're gonna have a, a meaningful and dynamic Grand and Supreme Drive video, and we're gonna showcase the very best livestock and young people the state of indiana has to offer um and with the, with those very basic ingredients um i think i think it's going to be an awesome night
1: i feel like there could have been an opportunity and maybe it crossed your mind i don't know but to pitch the idea for the new song to be the theme song to space jam
0: uh that would have been, That's been really, suggested yeah that would have been a great basketball reference i just i to
2: shot think. it down real hard dang it <laughs> shot it down real hard
0: uh so, you know, another one that may get shot down, but could be pretty useful in a in a pretty weird year. I mean our theme song could work, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I feel like it needs some lyrics. Could you write some lyrics to it? Well, we our guy, uh we've got
0: a guy that he, he has He's a couple good. phrases, but that's there's really no lyrics. Just a okay. tune. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I don't. We don't have a half a million dollar budget either to get Jason Aldean to cover. Something. Yeah, you know, yeah. you could go down the ladder a little bit, maybe uh Josh Abbott or somebody like yeah. that. But I don't know if that's down the ladder, Kirky. That's true. I, mean, I, I shouldn't say it like that. You'd be climbing the ladder there. But. Yeah,
2: I mean after after that initial like question and and research phase, and then they started talking to me about like licensing fees and all that stuff. I'm like, nope, we're gonna do it bootleg like we always do, and it's gonna be great. Yep. <laughs> No more questions.
1: (laughs) I I don't think that there's anybody going to be there showing up, uh, trying to serve you a letter of cease and desist for using songs that don't belong to you.
2: We're just going to keep doing what we always do. i tell you what. Yeah. We'll we'll ask for forgiveness later,
0: regardless of what, what song it is like is it is such a cool atmosphere and you know, the lights, the pyrotechnics is cool, but what happens in the ring is probably the most memorable. Let's be honest. Like you guys put on a heck of event. Don't get me wrong, but it's the quality of the people that you've surrounded yourself with to put them in that ring. That makes it that. And and to yeah. be down there last year was so cool to witness some of that stuff. And, uh, you know, the tears in the eyes, the happy tears, and the handshakes and the high fives. Like, uh, the Indiana State Fair was just just an awesome deal last year, and I'm sure it'll be just as good this year. Trevor, would you say the Indiana State Fair is better than the Ohio State Fair? Oh, Grand Drive? No, just total.
1: I mean, Grand Drive included. Uh, grand drive. Definitely. I had,
0: to, I'm trying to bait you into saying yes. Yeah. It's well, maybe just
2: this year, just in 2020.
0: Yeah. 2020. It's very good. <laughs> yeah. That's an easy, easy to say. That's like, uh, having one Tamworth guilt to sort and it's champion guilt. You don't have to make a mistake, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh uh, shoot! but, uh, no, that's good stuff. And, and one of the things moving forward that, uh, you know, I'd love to get your take on is what battles are we going to face you know, all these state fairs that are trying to, to model something or, or even the county fair level do something. But what battles are we going to fight in our industry moving forward in the summer and, and obviously into the fall?
2: Yeah. Um. So so I will say that. Um, the amount of confidence and and credit that people are 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 are. Um, circulating my way is is overwhelming but honestly guys this was a giant team effort it's not me it's not just me it's the board it's the commission it's our executive director her vice presidents it's it's our managers and directors and the people that work there every day and the superintendents that are at home and i'm literally blowing up their phones hey guys this is what it's going to look like Uh, i need you to call me back i got all these rules to update Um, and they answer their phone day and night. It's, it's hundreds of people, um, coming together to put together a plan. And I'll be honest, um, state fair ain't here yet. Um, and if you were at the 2018 grand drive and you listened to Brent Titus's market lamb judge speech, tomorrow is not given. Um, this is our plan. That doesn't mean that that everything is guaranteed and it's going to be the grandest thing ever this august um so i just i just want to um uh cautiously uh pump our brakes that that this is the plan today uh this is what we are working towards this is what we hope happens um and a little bit of i'm going to take us down a notch um COVID numbers out of Texas don't look great lately. Mm-hmm. Um, so so this is today's plan. And I sympathize with any state fair, national show, uh, county fair, you name it, that is going through these same struggles. And some of them are going to be able to put the puzzle together and some of them aren't. And, and just because you couldn't put the puzzle together doesn't mean anyone failed. It does not mean that. There are so many good shows out there who just, it, you know, this decision did not make sense for them as an individual organization, and that's okay. What, what we can't do is put together half-baked plans and deliberately put people in harm's way. We cannot do that. We have confidence in our plan. We have confidence in the math that we've done and that we've done our homework, but that's today. Um, so hopefully... Um, we will continue to get lucky. The energy in the universe will continue to be positive. Um, Indiana's COVID numbers and all of the things that would make a state fair 4-H livestock and project showcase possible this August, this August. hopefully they continue to fall our direction and they continue to be positive. Um, but, but tomorrow is not given. And I think, what what every one of us uh americans and you know human citizens have learned lately is, is 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 that principle so that that said and those and those proverbial breaks pumped um i think as we continue to move forward i think the clarity on what the safety measures are currently or should be from um you know, health and regulatory partners are gonna be more important than ever um, because a, a lot of, and I know everyone is doing their best. I know that everyone is doing their best to get the right information, to establish the right answers and the right guidelines to keep people safe and healthy. Um, and in their defense, they're, they're not gonna have 100% of the answers every single day um, because things change and data changes. And, and biology changes, so so I understand that, and I sympathize, but the more clarity, the better, in knowing what safety measures are today, and, and what we expect, anticipate, or plan for them to be tomorrow, next week, and next month will be helpful, because that information gives um, show and event managers the, the information necessary to make their plans that best fit whatever their organization's goals are. Um, so, so if the answer is, I don't know, that's okay. Tell, tell us you don't know. If the answer is, well, we think tomorrow it's going to be this, tell us that, um, which is kind of uh, a little bit why we've been doing our, our Facebook Lives on ISF exhibitors every week, just releasing information as we have it available um, it, it was not all available on day one when, when we made the announcement for the Indiana Livestock and Project Showcase, Indiana State Fair 4-H Livestock Project and Showcase. Um, so, so clarity on what safety measures are and what they should be, or I think this is what they're going to be. Um, so the shows and events can plan and r- lift as much darkness and, and unknown as possible. Um, I think that's going to be helpful. Um, I think responsible behavior from shows that are currently going on, um, is a part of this equation. If, if, if we're moving lots of humans and commingling them into a building and we're not paying any attention to our hand washing or distancing, um, you know, folks, I I sure hope, I sure hope that doesn't cause some other events later in the year issues. I I believe more livestock shows are a good thing. I believe that these pasture and pop-up and show-off-the-trailer shows have been a great thing for our industry and have, and have been a great um, tee-up in getting us back to showing livestock and in sharing the human-animal connection with these young people. I just hope that we're all uh, doing our best to, to take um, the show's happening now uh, seriously and responsibly. And then, and then by the same token, I think one of the biggest battles that we're going to fight moving forward, and, and we know this because we're, we're already seeing this evidence, is the new angle that animal rights and animal meat, anti-meat groups have developed via COVID-19 for livestock in general, for livestock production in general and even specifically for youth-educated-focused animal and livestock events. Um, and and in, in an example of that, every year for the last few years, um, an animal rights organization has um, paid money to put um, highly misleading, derogatory, and, and false information on a billboard across the street from the Iowa state fairgrounds during the world pork expo. That happened to us this August, this, or this past August in 2019 at the Indiana state fair as well. Um, It was not very far from the fairgrounds, few blocks. Um, Same, same group did the same thing. And I've already seen the literature on some of their web websites um, that COVID is a new angle for them to capitalize on to perpetuate their mal-aligned agenda against the livestock community, against the, the meat production, animal protein production community, and against livestock shows and events that are youth education focused. So uh, all of us as a community of, of livestock breeders and enthusiasts, um, um, livestock uh, events and um, 4-H and FFA uh, youth, youth educators and livestock educators have a very serious responsibility uh, weighing very heavily on our shoulders that everything we're doing moving forward is done so in a responsible and positive way. And that we are overemphasizing the positive uh, moments and not just the moments, but the everyday positives of what we are all engaged in and trying to provide high quality meat protein to nourish the bellies of the world. In addition to teaching these young people, and and also while at the exact same time doing the best to discourage the dark corners of our industry that that we've just not taken seriously enough and, and removed enough um, for for my particular um, um, appetite.
1: Couldn't agree more. That's um that that last piece is something I think uh, folks. I think I would like to think are paying more attention to because they realize now after shows being taken away, how, how much they mean to us and that it's, it's not just COVID that can do this. No. I mean, it it is exactly what you're talking about. Those groups, you know, they've been doing it for years. This is a new angle though. That's, that's way different than anything, anything before. So something to keep in mind for sure
0: yeah definitely well uh with that i i would uh i think it's time to jump into one of our new new segments that uh we love called the breakdown
1: the breakdown brought to you by brad halford located in kokomo indiana great friends of the show great friends of the indiana state fair uh by the way um Love, love the folks at Brad Howell. Uh, again, this is the breakdown. Um, you probably just haven't been spending a whole much, uh, lot of time on the road, but if you do happen to break down, just forget paying you know excessive fees and labor to get your truck fixed. Just go buy a new one at Brad Howell Ford.
0: Get a new one. <laughs> so uh, w- there's what we're going to break down, and this actually goes back to an old um, segment that we used to have. But I want to know the Spencer Morris list of State Fair pet peeves. Now, we can take this in many directions, but what are some of the things you've noticed that you'd like our listeners to bring to their attention? Things at state fairs that drive you nuts. Now, this can be families and their exhibitors. This could be uh, uh, officials or maybe something on the midway, whatever. Let's just uh, bring some of these pet peeves to our attention that maybe not everybody knows about.
2: Cool. Cool. Uh, I never get to talk about this ever. I'm, I gotta be Mr. Positivity in my role, but, uh, I've got, I think I've got three big things and two small things. Um, number one, the thing I'll be honest, the, the thing that really, um, forces me to, to literally have to just go away for a few minutes and have some, have like 30 seconds or a minute of personal quiet time, uh, rudeness, just Mm. rudeness in general. Um, and it comes in many forms and, um, I forget what show he said it at, but I've never heard it put so well. Uh, Will Winners said, just be nice. Don't take no talent, just be nice. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you, um, two, two stories of how rudeness didn't work out for somebody. And one story about how, um, Keeping a level and calm and collected head produced, um, you know, a result that still, when I talk about it, I cry. Um, so, so those those examples of rudeness are uh, stall assignments. So, so in this story, I'm in an, I'm in a barn office, and um, uh, a person comes in and uh, basically tells my barn staff that they need to give them a new stall assignment right now because the stall assignment they gave them just, just won't work. And is really dumb. Don't know why you would give me that stall assignment and you have to fix this right now. And I'm just standing there and uh, I didn't say anything because I'm in shock. Like, why would you speak to someone like that? And and I just window dress that up real good because there were some expletives that this person used. And, and so I just window dressed it pretty nice for them, but I, I didn't say like, I'm in show. I'm like, it's, it's, it's your, it's your, it's just your stall location. You get the same amount of, of pens and everything. Like why, wh- why would you speak to someone like that? And um, so it's over. And the person walks out and I, I follow them right out of the office and they get to where they were going. And they turn around. And I go, Hey, my name's Spencer Morris. I'm the livestock director. And I was in the office. Um, when When you went off on my office staff in there and, I need you to know that these people um, are, are doing this for very little and in many cases sometimes no money and they're people whose kids and grandkids show here every single day too and they love this place with their whole heart and their their job is just to assign pens not in whatever particular location that, that you have developed some type of a, a fanatical association with within the building. And I go. So that said, I just need you to know what you just did in there. There was a better way to do that. All I'm saying is there was a better way to do that. If there was an issue, there was a better way to do that. There was a better way to say it, and there was a better tone to have. And that's all I'm saying. Um, so, so that's that's one example. Um, another one is um, uh, a story of there, there was there there was a livestock species and and I'm in a building and I get this phone call that there's a bunch of upset exhibitors and it's during one of the junior shows and I go to the building and I have a small group of exhibitors, parents, exhibitor, parents, I need to emphasize. And they're upset that there's free feed crud on the pens. And I, and they told me that and I, and I just looked back at them and said, okay, there's feed crud on the pens. And, uh, I, I very obviously did not understand, and they basically wanted to be exempt from our Indiana State Fair 4-H animal testing program because there's feed cred on the pins. and I know that because they said, well, you know, you can't test our animals, and I'm like, well, uh, no, that's, that's not accurate, um, and I I did not understand because in Indiana, sometimes our exhibitors are a little spoiled in that we offer pre-penning and pre-tack. You can move in the day before, tack in, even select your pen location if you participate in that process. Um, I don't know another show that does that. And and I sent some text messages just to verify. Denver does not do that. The North American does not do that. Um, Many state fairs do not do that. I don't know a single county fair that does it. So, so, so that's a, an added value service that we provide to our exhibitors that want that kind of convenience. And, and my trouble with understanding was, well, this was not a problem when you picked out this stall location. This was not a problem when you moved the tack in to this stall location. And these animals have been in this pen all day long. We started moving in at 6 AM. So why is feed crud on your pens on the metal pens, Suddenly, very suddenly, a problem that was in front of you bef- before you picked the pins, before you moved your tack into them, and before you moved your animals into them. Well, we didn't notice it. I'm like, Okay. So, so help me understand why this is a problem. And apparently, there was a fear that the animals would test positive for something based on whatever the feed cred on the metal was. I'm like, well, I mean, I, I guess I, I, I can understand the initial reaction, but, but, you know, if that were true, Every livestock show would have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of positive, you know, uh, tests. Every at every single livestock show everywhere in the country, including ours, um, and and in that particular building the year before, there were zero tests, positive tests. So so as a result, this you know the mathematics say this is not an issue. Um, so so uh, what we did do was um, in order to uh, show those exhibitor parents that. I was doing my best to understand where they were coming from. Um, I called our entire testing team, like 13 people over to that building and we scraped feed crud off of all of those pins and into sample cups and sent it off to our testing labs where we have everything else tested and nothing came back. Zero things came back. So, so those are two examples where, where, and I, I, I tell that story in this, in this example of rudeness because the the force and the attitude of which this uh, issue was raised to me and communicated to me um, definitely rose to that. It was not just a, hey, we thank this. It was a what are you gonna do to fix this right now? Hmm. Um, and then and then the positive story was, um, was it last year? No, it's two years well, no, this was last, well, all right. Anyway, in a previous state fair, um, some of them run together. I'm, it, it's Friday, so it's, uh, no, it's Thursday, it's check-in day. Um, so it's probably, I don't know, four or five in the afternoon. I'm getting ready in my office, getting ready for Friday. It's showmanship day, so... I got to get announcements to all the announcers and I've got to get, you know, judge checks and volunteer waivers and, and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm doing paperwork in my office and I get this text message from a number I don't recognize. It's a show parent. And it's, um, hey, this is so and so. Um, and I just want to ask you a few questions and understand because, you know, we've had an accident. And the accident was that in Indiana State Fair, we used the declared weight system and this, this family, and it doesn't matter the species, had recorded, they had two kids, one animal per kid. We used declared weights, and they had written down the declared rate weights on the wrong cards. So the commercial animals' weight was heavier than the purebreds' animals, and they wrote the wrong weight on the wrong card. They switched the animals is what they did. So the, the variables here were very small, And they explained that to me. And, and, you know, I sent a text back saying, Hey, that's, that's, that is, you know, that is unlucky and that is unfortunate. And I wish there was something I could do to help you. I I want every kid that wants to be able to show at the Indiana state fair to be able to show that place. that place changed my life. It it genuinely did. There was a moment in time when my life was changed at the Indiana state fair. Um, I believe in it with my heart and soul, but, I said, you know, declared weights are what they are. Once cards are in, they cannot be changed for any reason. Otherwise, you know, we'd be going back and forth um, with exhibitors all day changing declared weight cards. And um, the parent, you know, did not, you know, text back anything mad or, or angry or aggressive or um, anything like that. The text back was, I'll be honest, it, the, the end of this story, I, I, I cry every time I talk about it. I'm not gonna cry. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do it. Okay. So uh, they text back. Well, what about the weight that the 4-H extension people took at the scale? They recorded it in their documents. And th- this may have been my first fair when I, I there were just some details that I didn't know, and I just text back what weight that 4-H extension staff recorded at the scale. And they said, well, there was a book there that you know your staff or. For, 4-H extension staff, which are volunteers during the state fair and they work in tandem with with state fair staff, uh, took and they recorded the weights. And, and because we we ran all these animals through the scales. So there is a document that that 4-H and show staff controlled and had possession of the entire time of the weight of every animal with its individual animal ID, um, its tag number associated with it. So the animal ID is associated with the weight and this document has only been in 4-H and fair staff possession, no one else's. So this record now exists. I did not, at this point in time, I I didn't know we, like, that's the only species we do that in. We don't, that is not common. And um, I'll be honest, I'm reluctant to look too far into it because it, the end of this story, it turned out so well. And I'm like, well, are you sure we do that? So, so this parent suggests that to me. And so I text my superintendent. I'm like, does this happen? And they're like, I think so. Let me go, you know, check with the extension folks. He goes and checks with extension people. And they're like, yeah, they have that. I'm like, has this document been in our possession the entire time? No exhibitor has had an opportunity to touch it or fiddle with it or do anything with it. Nope. We've had it the whole time. Like we need to meet and I want to see this document. So they showed me and sure enough, Um, the exhibitor name, the individual animal ID with the scale weight, whatever weight, the animal weight on the scale, when we verified its animal ID was all of there in a document that was in fair and extension staff's possession the entire time. And I'm like, this is what's necessary. So, um, I text a parent back. I go, Hey, uh, I'm going to come to your stalls in about 30 minutes. I got to go to a meeting to talk about this, be at your stalls in 30 minutes. So, so we have our meeting with myself and our super and our extension person. And um, I, I basically say, Hey, so our rule is when declared weight cards are in, once they've they're turned in and there's a time after that time, they can't be changed for any reason. Um, That's our rule. I said, Why can't we just take the show weight, the show weight that we took, that is in this document that's been in our possession the entire time, that clearly reflects these two animals ID, that clearly reflects the huge difference. We're not, and and my reasoning and my rationale was, we're not changing their declared weight. We are using the documented scale weight that we as show staff took Documented, and this document has been in our possession from the time we took this until now. It's never been out of our possession. So, um, the counter, the, a question that came up in the meeting was, "Well, if this was another species, would we be having this conversation?" And my my response was, "Well, no. And no other species does this recorded weight take place at the scales because this is the only species." that we run through the scales is the only species where we record everything else is declared, which is why I was shocked to learn that this document and this process happened because it's, we don't do it anywhere else. So, so no, if this was another species, we would not be having this conversation because this document wouldn't exist. This document makes it possible to use the scale weight. We're not changing their declared weight. We're using their scale weight. So we all agree. And we say, well, we're just going to put their scale weight in and that's their weight. And it's close enough that if the kids, you know, get first or second, they're going to make way backs just fine. And so we, we do that. And now mind you before that parent texts me, the weight difference was so big. And, um, this was a competitive family. We were probably getting ready to, to DQ two kids from the Indiana state fair. Um, it doesn't matter what the reason is. Anytime you DQ a kid from a livestock show guys, it, it literally, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. It literally tears my heart out. Um, I've been that kid before I've been there once and I know how it feels. And it's like someone ripped your heart out. Um, so before this parent texts me and they texted me with a level head, um, and just provided information and we had a conversation that was the outcome here. So I, I, we went through that process. I went to this family stalls and I said, your scale weight was this for this animal. Your scale weight was this for this animal. Those are your scale weights. You're in, these are your weights and I'm not going to cry. The, so the mom and the dad jump up and they pretty much tackle me to the ground, bear hugging me. <laughs> um, it's not often that, that as a livestock show manager, you know, when someone calls you about a rule, that you get to deliver really, really good news. But um, keeping a level head and just having normal dialogue without our emotions can make many things possible. But if our emotions get in the way and they cloud whatever point it is we were attempting to have a conversation about, it's going to be really hard to find the clarity on the other side of the emotion. Um, So rudeness. Um, Expectations is, is... is is weird for me because um, um, livestock shows sometimes in our heads take on this Disneyland um, um, mentality that everything is going to be perfect and it's a livestock show. It is just not. There's animals, there's weather, um, things change, internets fail, volunteers sometimes don't show up. Um, things are just, it's its hard to meet the expectations when there, there's so much emotion in everything we do, right? I just said that, you know, the Indiana state fair changed my life and it tears my heart out whenever, you know, I have to come down on a rule that has a, a negative effect on a kid um, that sometimes those expectations in in the eyes of families they're so hard to achieve i want to i want to provide a show that that is disneyland and i want to give them everything in my heart and soul it's not always possible it just isn't and, and that's hard um i hope that they understand that is hard for me when when we're not able to meet those things um and um so i say that on the expectation side pre-penning and pre tack days are, are things that are, I struggle with still, um, because the, and I, I I say that in, in, in the reference to expectations, because, so we're one of the very few shows in the country that offer a pre-penning and pre-tack day where you can move your tack in on one day and the animals the next day to get the tack out of the way, right? So we go through this process and there's people on payroll clocks and there's a whole nother day on the calendar. And the entire purpose is to, get as much tack out of the way, get stalls made and shavings down so that when animals show up, we can unload those animals literally as fast as we can walk them off the trailer. That is the entire purpose of a pre-tack and pre-penning day. There is no other reason they exist. The only reason is to, on animal load-in day, get the animals off the trailer and into the pen bedded down as fast as, as is possible. And we've had to, because of expectations um we've had to develop some some rules about pre-tack and pre-penning days which they'll see this summer in august where you got to show up to get pens um because again the entire purpose is to get the tack out of the way and and the bedding bedded down so the animals can come off as fast as possible um and frequently and this is this is hard to see like it doesn't make me mad it's hard to see like we're trying to provide a benefit and and the expectation to meet the expectation and people are taking advantage of the benefit by signing 30 different by getting pins and, and, and getting pins for 30 different people. Well, guys, if you didn't unload the tack and you didn't put the shavings down or you didn't put the stalls down, it does not matter where, where those 30 people are located. You've just defeated the entire purpose of, of this process. Um, so expectations are one. um, and then the, the two small ones are, uh, they're hog specific, but older hogs, I don't know how many times I get asked, when are we going to be able to show, uh, December bears and gilts? And the answer is, well, never so long as I'm working at the Indiana state fair. And, and the answer to that is because, um, guys, these hogs have never been slower growing ever, ever. They've never been so slow growing. Um, the York Barra. I won grand champion bear at the Indiana state fair in 2005. He was a February. He was a February where no, we can't show older hogs. And when will you be able to whenever they get a new livestock director <laughs> and you know, it's up and down some days that could be tomorrow for all I know. Um, my last one, I'll be really quick, but uh, I, I see do, it. So
1: I, hold on back to that point. I do like that. You're promoting genetic
0: progress. Yes.
2: I mean, I know, I know that there, I know some feed companies and I are probably not on the same, same page on this, you know, showing older hogs to be able to keep them around, but, um, these hogs have never been so slow growing. So nope, I'm out. And, uh, another hog specific thing, just because I see it so much and I so rarely get the opportunity to, 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 to talk about it is, um, I'll be honest, folks, I I think there is a a lot of this generation of, of, of swine showmen. If you're participating in the swine showmen, you're going to be a better person because of it. I don't want to ever discourage anyone, but I think we're overshowing a lot of these hogs. We are touching them so much with our show utensils that the animals no longer know what the touch means. If you touch that animal, every couple of seconds from the time you walk into the ring to the time you walk out of the ring, you have just desensitized that animal. It no longer knows what the touch means. If you only touch it, you know, when you need to make a left turn or a right turn, then the animal understands that's a signal. And if you want to go faster and you know, you jab them in the ribs with your fingers or your fist, you know, that's a signal only do it when you need it. And I know this is going to sound off the wall, but, but science is science if you read Pavlov's theory about his dogs and how he tr- conditioned his dogs with the bells and the food and a bell meant food. So every time the dog heard a bell, they would get excited. Same thing with hogs and animals and animals and animal. If you if you're a swine showman and you want to perform at a level that no one else is and you want information that no one else is going to read. Um, I, I actually have it. You know what? It is Conditioned Reflexes by I.P. Pavlov. You can buy it on uh, Amazon for, I think, 20 bucks. And uh, I think you can even get it on Kindle. Um, You will be able to perform on a level that no one else will if you can learn about animal conditioning and what those signals mean. Because, again, guys, if we're showing these hogs and we're doing nothing but tap, 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 tap the whole time, the hog doesn't know what it means. As a result we have to tap harder and eventually we leave purple marks because the hog doesn't know what the taps mean. So um, I would just encourage this generation of swine showmen to keep working hard and keep doing what you're doing, but also don't overshow the hog because um, if we're doing that, then we have forgotten that there is an entirely other way that not only works, but science says it works. So, um, just consider your showmanship style if you are a junior junior hog exhibitor, and do your best to tap as little as possible and don't over show. So oh, those are th- that's my list.
0: Big time that and I mean the stories were incredible. Don't get me wrong, like it is. I love when show officials get on the show because the only time we see them is in the stress times, right? It's, Oh, we got to get this hog to the ringer. Oh, this calf. It needs time. It's like just hurry, hurry, hurry. And yeah. we're, we're in that mindset. Like you said, we so, I've guilty before. I don't do it very often now. Cause now I'm one of those show officials uh, in a minor scale and you appreciate it now. And I think another thing COVID's brought to our attention is we're just thankful we're there. I mean, these shows about did not happen ever. So, uh, I, I appreciate you kind of spilling out those stories and, and we do just need to, to slow it down and be nice. But the over whipping of the hog, Holy cow. I can relate to that probably the most just because that's my, uh, my livelihood. And I teach these kids to less is more and just guide them the way you need to. I will be purchasing that book myself. Uh, I've not read it. I know much about Pavlov's uh, theory, um, our dogs do it the same. We have two words that we use, and they freak out. They're probably outside this door doing the same. Um, but that's so true, and uh, that's something that we don't all think about, but uh, big time. And even, you're not the only one that must think that's a problem because down at uh, Perry, Georgia, this this last year, uh, the NJSA now has a rule in place where if you do see or if somebody sees an over whipping in the ring, they get one warning. And then if there's more after that, they're disqualified. So they're taking it very seriously. And it goes back to that animal rights and uh, people yeah. who don't understand what we're doing. Hogs are the only species we cannot a manhandle or be put on a halter. Therefore, yep. it's very, very different optics compared to what we're used to with the other species. Yeah.
2: yeah. No, yeah. I think that NJS that makes all the sense in the world to me.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: Okay hear me out now for all the you, you, you showmen out there and show parents listening, take Pavlov's theory to, to a real serious level here. I mean, you want to talk about uh, maybe, you know, training those things to turn on a snap or a whistle instead of using a <laughs> whip and then just use that driving utensil to keep heads up while you're moving and then snap or whistle to get those things to turn left or right. I mean, we're talking about a next generation of showmen, that are essentially, you know, what I, what I would call Pavlov.
2: I'm not kidding you, Corey. I've seen it. I've seen this work. So I, and I don't, I don't remember who it was. It was a, it was a young lady when I was young and showing hogs back in the day. And she, I, I, I learned some, I learned this lesson and just applied it my own way from her, but I always kept jelly beans in my pocket when I was showing pigs always um because whenever you got penned especially in the coliseum in indianapolis we show on brown clay dirt you needed to keep the hogs head i always i usually showed yorks so i needed to keep keep my yorks white and clean and i need to keep their noses out of the dirt in the coliseum and stuff like that i would keep i mean two pockets filled with jelly beans and i would hold them in my finger like you see like a dog show and just let it put my fingers in the hog's mouth and just let them chew on the jelly bean eventually the hog would get it and we need a new jelly bean but I saw at an open show, um, young girl um, basically had jelly beans in her pockets. And when the judge pinned her pig, she would put her whip just straight down in front of her pig's nose and then stick a jelly bean in its mouth and hold her whip in front of the pig. And then she'd walk around and then open the pin and then she'd lift her whip back up out, out out of the pig's face and then it would walk in. And huh. then same thing when, she, when, when the judge... Um, um, waved at her to come out she would have her whip in front of the pig and she'd walk out a little bit put her whip down stick a jelly bean in the pig's mouth and then she'd go back and close her gate and then she'd pick her whip up and then she'd just travel on like I've seen it it's wow. that easy that's
0: amazing and, and pigs are very intelligent animals they're actually in the top 10 I recently googled this something I do it four in the morning when I'm up or whatever uh, but Along with uh, humans, chimpanzees, bottlenose dolphins, dogs, cats, pigs, uh, so they get it. They 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 truly yeah. understand that. But man, that's uh, this is this could get interesting. Um, touchless pig showing could could be a thing. Oh my! I think
2: it, I think it should be a new thing.
0: Yeah, uh, I
1: think uh, I, I think the first exhibitor to train a show pig to walk with its head up, turn left and right, uh, without even touching it. Um, that's going to create a whole new now,
0: generation. We can't go to the other extreme. You know, we always go one extreme to the next with trends and everything. The show oh, yeah. snakes, the, pss, 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 the uh, whole show. The that 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 gets a little. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as a judge, I I'm not a I'm not a fan of the show snakes, but yeah, it is distracting. I'll say that a little minor oh. whistle could work. Though. Whoa, 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 whoa!
1: Do you know what happens when a livestock producer? And a photographer fall in love. Well, they create the nation's leading photography and marketing business. Legacy Livestock Imaging was founded in 2011 by Charles and Heidi Anderson. Folks, head on over to LegacyLivestockImaging.com. Look up their portfolio. Take a look at who their corporate clients are because you will be impressed. Their services are vast. From senior pictures, couples family pictures, you name it, they do it. But more importantly, as it relates to the livestock industry, sale picture day or ringside photography or backdrop pictures, they are the best in the business at getting high quality, incredible moments captured. Legacylifestockinvergine.com, that one. Go there. See ya. Back to the show.
0: All right. Well,
1: um, we're wrapping up. And and we always close with this question here in 2020, and uh, nothing more fitting, honestly, uh, at this point in time to have this question. So, Spencer, uh, we want to know here at Stock Talk what what lessons has the show stock industry taught you over the years?
2: Um. So, uh, number one, the um, it's taught me that that what we're doing. Um, and it doesn't matter what facet uh, it is. Um, and, and of course we're all a part of the livestock in, in, in the animal industry and in the meat production industry, but it's, it is all, everything we're doing, it's all about people. It, I mean, it is, it is people focused. It is all about people. It's how you treat them. It's what you're trying to do. Um, it, it truly is all about people and uh, I'm gonna call back to, to 2018 Indiana State Fair Grand Drive again when Andy Rash made the statement that this is a fraternity, this is a sorority and this is a family and it changes people's lives every single day. Um, and, and it does so um, and um, I, I know it does because I've personally felt it myself so, Whether it's about educating the next generation of agricultural leaders, it is about helping the current generation of um, uh, agricultural uh, production um, professionals. This industry is all about people, and that's been driven, drilled into me from from many different places, but the place that, that I think. I've felt it the most personally is when I've been faced with a situation where a person made choices they shouldn't have. And, um, it was, it was my responsibility to provide an action and the action I provided was those persons aren't a part of the Indiana state fair, um, anymore. Um, not on the exhibitor side or anything like like that. It's, it's been on it's been on the staff side and it's been on the organizational side. Um, so it's all about people, whether it's educating them, trying to feed them, um, trying to to teach um, valuable lessons or, or simply, um, you know, trying to provide a fun and, and recreational um, activity for them to participate in. So, um, number one, it what we're doing is all about people. Um, Number two, it's never too late to start making the right choices and, and develop the right habits. It is never too late, no matter you know how bleak or how hard times are. Um and um I will reference this because he's a smart guy. Um Will Winners at the Kentucky State Fair Grand Drive last year made a speech and um they kentucky state fair webcasts on on willoughby show barn flicks so that's where it's at if you want to go watch it but at the kentucky state fair grand drive will winters made a speech about second chances and he told this great story about how he um went to the kentucky derby one of the the things that he loves to do and and they always park at this family's house and and a lady that um the mom of the the people he knows that stays with and parks at their house for the Kentucky Derby calls the Kentucky Derby second chance day. Cause everyone has this new attitude that, that anything is possible tomorrow and it's new start day. It's second chance day. It is never too late to start making the right choices and to develop the positive habits. And, uh, I, I went, I drove down to Kentucky and I watched that and it spoke to me in so many different levels Um, and, uh, I don't, I've never shared this. So, um, it spoke to me because, um, those were the words that, that someone else not going to cry. Um, so I'm in seventh grade. My brother and I are in the show barn having a bad, bad argument, lots of expletives and red face and, um, grabbing each other by the shirt collar. And basically I was doing a bad job with, with the hogs and the cattle in the barn. I just, I just wasn't working hard enough. Just wasn't. It, it was that simple. And and so I'm in seventh grade. And up until this point in time in my life, I'm, I'm still young. And I think my brother's just mean. That's what I thought. Because uh, all little brothers have that impression of their older brother when they're younger. Um, and uh, it was kind of the first time, I don't know, maybe I was old enough or smart enough, but my brother and I were able to Not only have a a bad fight, but articulate it. And uh, at one point in time, he finally said the words, you know, I'm not mad at you because the hogs don't look right. I'm not mad at you because the cattle didn't get rinsed three times a day. I'm mad at you because I know what you're capable of. And this is not it. And I know you're capable of more. And I'm just mad that you can't see what you are capable of. And, um, that, that argument, that show barn fight changed the trajectory of my life forever. And, and you can see it, uh, in my show career up until seventh grade, I'll be honest. I was real mediocre, real mediocre as being nice. And after that, um, my, my success rate increased dramatically. I mean, dramatically, um, I think it was the next summer. It was the first summer that the Indiana Junior Swine Circuit was organized on a point circuit with, with a string of shows. Uh, took one pig, and one pig won 10 jackpot shows the very next summer. Huh. Um, so that moment changed the trajectory of my life forever, and and when I heard Will Winner give that speech, it, it, it literally spoke to my soul. Um, so it's never too late to start making the right choices and to develop positive habits. And then the, the very last thing that, that I've learned is... Um, and I'll be honest, this has been pre- pretty recently. I've learned this um, just in the last three years um, in my role at the Indiana State Fair in that there is nothing wrong with needing to lean on people or trust people um, for help. There's nothing wrong with that. There is absolutely something wrong with either being too scared or too proud to recognize that you need help you can't do it on your own you can't do your by, by yourself or or you just don't know how um and a funny and and short short story about, about that lesson is so um last year for Indiana State Fair cattle barn load in we installed a roundabout as crazy as that sounds um for for our cattle unloading loading pattern because up until then we would run, run cattle trucks and trailers down the front of the cattle barn, and they would have to go out our main gate to exit to, get, to go park the trailer, which means they'd, they'd unload, right? And then they'd have to go through literally the busiest gate on the fairgrounds. It's the busiest pedestrian gate, the busiest security gate, it's the busiest ticket gate, and it's just uh, uh, chaos trying to get through there, and it's, it always plugs things up. And I knew this was a problem, and I knew it needed to be fixed. And and I, I I'll be honest, I'm trying and trying and trying to find the answer, and I didn't I didn't have it. Um, like I talked earlier, uh, my boss came from a um, concert and event management background, and he just thinks about things very differently. Not a livestock person, but a really 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 smart guy. Um, and he he and as soon as he said this to me, I just um, I'm, I was trying not to laugh. He goes, well, what about a roundabout? I'm like, a roundabout in cattle unloading pattern. I'm like, well, uh, I don't have the answer, so I'm reluctant to shoot this down. But uh, I go, well, let's build it out and see what it looks like. Um, so we built it out, and I'll be honest, I shared it with my beef superintendent and my cattle staff, and they're all just looking at me like, "You've you've lost it. Like, I'm just like... All right. Well, I've measured it and the math that the math says that it's going to work. And we did turning radiuses and like, there's a lot of math and and we really researched it quite a bit. And the math says it's going to work. So I'm like, look, my boss is a smart guy. He's really, really smart. In fact, Um, I would be, I would be seriously interested to find out what his IQ is because I'm pretty sure it would be embarrassingly high, but um, I'm just like, this is the craziest thing ever. I'm going to put a roundabout in the middle of this cattle pattern. Sure. I've done crazier things in my life. And, uh, so we set it up, Ferris gets here and we, we paint line it and we put barricades up and all that. And I've got, um, you know, it's tack load in day, got cattle trailers strung from the cattle barn, um, over by the Monon trail all the way across the South side of the property over to the hog barn and 38 cattle trailers as far as the eye can see. And I'm like, well, I'm about to learn this lesson real hard one way or the other. And uh, we, we shoot them up there, and, and the first ones get parked. So they haven't gone around the roundabout. They've just entered the straightaway that leads to it. When they unload, they back up, and then they'd go through the roundabout, and they'd take the, the hard turn. And, and we did our, our pre penning auction uh, last year. the first time we've done that in the cattle barn. Uh, Isaiah Bridwell and his family got spot number one. So they're the first family in, first one parked, first one ready to go. I I run up to him and I just I kind of show him and I guide him with my hands like this is how it works. And, and, you know, just be careful. Isaiah backs up and backs up way far to get a real, real, real wide turn. Make sure he can do it right. Isaiah Bridwell takes this turn at probably 35 miles an hour. Black smoke rolling. (laughs) And I'm like, I can hear tires and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm just I'm going to cause a scene. (laughs) And I've just wrecked the whole move in. Isaiah takes this turn at 35 miles an hour, smoke rolling out the tailpipes, and yells at me as he goes by, works like a charm with a big thumbs up. And then I bet he's doing 40 through this roundabout. I'm like, well, I guess it works. So, you know, trust, you know, have faith in people, have some trust, and, and there's nothing wrong with recognizing that you need help and, and trusting those that help you. So, there is something wrong with being too scared or too proud. To recognize that and to ask for that help,
1: big time. Love it in all aspects of life as well. Uh, that's good stuff. Well, uh, Trevor, I don't know about you, but I feel enlightened. My I feel, uh, I feel, a little bit like uh, oh, kind of, kind of how how Harry Potter probably felt
0: after killing Voldemort wow super nerding uh, it now i i'm honestly not a harry potter fan i'm sorry in this
2: in 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 this um in this scenario
0: COVID COVID 19 i i think would be
1: voldemort
2: okay I, okay nice
1: I feel, I feel some sort of maybe maybe obviously uh voldemort does come back at some point in time so maybe uh, like the I hope first not. time maybe the first time we think voldemort's <laughs> gone um just because obviously we know COVID's not over over, but you know, it's <laughs> nice. I sorry, I, I had to nerd out a little bit. My wife is a huge <laughs> Harry Potter fan, and so it's kind of ingrained in my brain now. Um gotcha. For for I've, all you people maybe that are fans of like war movies or something like that, you know, like in Top Gun. Uh the the final scene of them uh, you know, flying away is uh is pretty cool.
0: I and that's your point about Getting help, uh, that's something I'm still working on, and that spoke to me very loudly. Thought I could re-roof my entire garage by myself. <laughs> that was a
1: fun project to watch out. Uh,
0: It would not look as pretty as it does now without uh, Nate Smith's help. So, yeah, my gosh, uh, this is good stuff, and uh, I don't care. We could talk for another hour, but this is all incredibly good uh, conversation that uh, we, we all need to hear, so... Uh, Spencer, we really appreciate you jumping on, man, and uh, all the things you've said uh, is is things we need to hear. So uh, really appreciate your time and looking forward to seeing what happens in Indianapolis this year.
2: Yeah. Uh, No, thanks so much uh, for the opportunity, guys. I think you're doing the Lord's work out there. Um, Tune in to ISF Exhibitors Facebook Live 11 a.m. this Friday, uh, Friday the 26th. Um, for our opening entry announcement for the 2020 Indiana State Fair Livestock and Project Showcase.
0: Excellent. Looking forward to it. (laughs) But we are excited as well. (laughs) We'll be tuning in for sure. Uh, Thanks again.
2: Hey, thanks so much, guys.
0: We all know that I'm a diehard Buckeye, but man, I think every state needs a Spencer Morris to run their state fair. I love the folks here at the Ohio state fair and they do an excellent job themselves, but Spencer's kind of on a whole nother ballpark when it comes to managing livestock shows.
1: Yeah. And uh, man, you just want to talk about somebody that gives a crap. Yes. That gives lots of craps uh, about what happens on the state level at livestock shows on the national level. I mean, you gotta, you gotta realize Spencer's worked with, with these national shows and and lots of other folks uh, to bring uh, livestock shows to the Indiana state fairgrounds. And, and this year particularly, um, you know, there's, there's been lots of folks trying to get in. uh, And, you know, I think he's done the best he can navigating those waters and, and making it a positive experience uh, because like Spencer said, he's all about positivity.
0: Yeah. And another thing too is, I've noticed in his interview that he really pays attention to what judges say, um, referenced Will Winter a couple of times, Andy Rash, Brent Titus, and that's mm-hmm. important to him. And one of his jobs is to hire um, these folks to come evaluate the young people. And he really cares about what kind of person is doing that. And I don't think everywhere has that that kind of thought process. So, uh, we appreciated Spencer getting on there. Um, a lot of a lot of things that I needed to hear. Um, especially the delegation and you know, trusting other people to help. I, I trust a lot of people, but I'm one of those folks, uh, admittedly that I like to just kind of do it in myself and I need to switch that. And um when Spencer mentioned that there at the end, I thought that was a cool, cool note to uh of myself to to just kinda move forward with. So Hope you guys enjoyed that one. Um, like I said, a lot of exciting things happening. Buckeye Livestock Expo open to the world happening this weekend. Sheep, Hog, and Goats. Uh, contact me personally if you have any questions about that. But going to be a big event uh, and you can get registered online. going to be a big one. Uh, yeah, real cool stuff. Great episode.
1: Again, we'll catch you guys next week. Uh, also going to be a good episode. We're just just trying to pump these things out here.
0: Yeah, we're uh, we're full steam ahead and a very busy time for everybody. A lot of road traveling, so why not pop on Stock Talk every Wednesday. Speaking of, we're seven days away from the next one. We'll see you guys there.